Hi, and welcome to the Tea with Intuitives podcast. I'm Melly, an Akashic reader, past life psychic, and channeling coach. And today I am welcoming special guest Rosie Jung, who is a somatic healing facilitator. As a complex trauma survivor and a daughter of Cambodian refugees, Rosie Jung is no stranger to the intergenerational impacts of genocide, domestic violence, and forced displacement. Breathwork has been a life-changing modality helping Rosie not only to address trauma in her lineage, but also to regain safety in her body after experiencing multiple instances of sexual assault throughout her life. Today, Rosie is a somatic healing facilitator guiding curious communities to connect with their sense of flow and play. She facilitates breathwork journeys crafted in sensual, ceremonial, and intentional containers where the collective can work with the medicine of their breath and the intelligence of the body. You'll likely find her in the kitchen cooking up a fun meal or on the mountain snowboarding nonstop. Rosie is currently residing on what was originally known as the land of, and please forgive my pronunciation here, but the land of Nuagatupu, also called the Ute tribe, currently called Wheat Ridge, Colorado. You can find her on social media at Rosie Jung, and I will also leave a link to her website in the show notes. Rosie, hi. Hi, Melly. Hey, thank you for coming on the Tea with Intuitives podcast. I'm I'm super excited for today's conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's really fun because I was reading your bio prior to recording recording this when you shared this with me, and we realized that we have uh, something in common. I mean, you're the daughter of Cambodian refugees. My husband is the son of Laotian refugees, so we have that in common. Also saw that you are Pisces, right? Yes, um, I, ha- I definitely have a lot of Pisces placements. Um, Pisces Sun, uh, Venusian Pisces. Uh, those are like the two big, oh, Mercury and Pisces. That was the other thing. Yeah, wow. so I have quite a okay. few placements there. Okay, I'm a Pisces too. So like, oh, like we have some kind of the same dreamy creative energy. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Rosie, I would like to begin by asking you, how did you come to do what you do? How did you come to work with breath work and flower essences and really focusing on healing as well? Yeah, basically, it's been a a process of curiosity and openness. Um, Long story short, I was basically in this point of my life um, in like my own spiritual crisis some people might call that their dark night of the soul uh, just a few years ago where i literally did not know what i was doing um and i I felt like i had it all together um i felt like i knew where i was going i felt like i I had this north star and then suddenly i just felt like what happened to my compass i i don't know what i'm doing anymore and so it's been like this series of events um within like that that, that darker period where um, I just, I lacked motivation physically. I was just going through it. Um, a, a chronic fatigue was a big thing. And I felt like that was a huge challenge um, for someone. So I, um, I, I think we can get into this later, but like ultimately 
I've, I've been put in very traumatic situations where I did not have any control of my body. And so being at the gym, fitness and, and exercise, physical activities was a place for me to gain control of, of my body, to like feel as if I had that control. So when I was going through this, this darker phase and I was experiencing this chronic fatigue, I, I didn't have the gym anymore. Um, I could not get there physically. And that was like a huge um, awakening for me because I realized, oh, you know, actually I thought that I was somebody who had things under control, who like was in this process of like recovery and healing because I was able to um, project that energy that I had, the physical, the mental and emotional energy towards like physical activity. Um, when in reality, when that was taken away from me, um, it turned out that like, well, actually I don't necessarily have the appropriate tools or a healthy outlet for me to process the things that I needed to process. Actually, I was escaping by using those physical activities and, and the gym as a place that they escape. So yeah, there was, that was definitely like a darker phase just a few years ago. And ultimately it led me to do uh, an esoteric healing session and a Kaushik records reading. And from there, uh, one of the, the messages that stood out to me was that like, you know, like I'm, you're really meant to heal in this lifetime. I'm like, okay, I, I don't know what that means, but okay. Um, and then just a few months later, I had a mediumship reading. And um, again, in that reading, the same message came through. You're meant to be a healer. And actually, like, what if you wanted your business or your vocation to be a healer? Like, that is an option for you. And by that point, I was like, you know, I have nothing to lose. Like, I I'd already don't know where I'm going with my career. I don't know, like, what the end goal is with, like, retiring and stuff like that. What if I just explored this other avenue? So from there, um, just a few months after I started to take esoteric healing courses, um, I was already doing breath work as a personal modality for myself and I loved breath work. So it's been this process of kind of like exploring what it is that I wanted to do. I really thought that like energy healing was the thing that I was going to do. Um, but in the process of that, I've also discovered flower essences. And that too has also been very healing for me. So really uh, getting to where I'm at right now has been this process of really just exploring, trying different modalities and seeing like what has worked for me in my journey and seeing how I can share that practice with other people. Yeah, and it's really a spiritual act because it's about you know, all healers, they're healing themselves and they're helping others heal themselves as well. Before we go any further, I forgot to talk about our beverages because it's <laughs> tea with intuitives. So Rosie, what are you drinking? Okay, let me pull it up right now. I just have to mention it is 11.11 where I'm at right now. Um, <laughs> I just saw the time as I was picking this up. So uh, this is uh, a mocha. Uh, and, you know, I actually stopped drinking coffee um, like a couple years ago. And part of the reason why is because I realized I was dependent on coffee. Um, and so even that has been like a healing process, just realizing all these different ways in which we're dependent on all these like external things. And so 
definitely from like a health standpoint, uh, things have been better for me in terms of like not depending on things like coffee. But today, because it's very special and we're here, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful. And I chose a special tea today in honor of you. So I have a Cambodian oolong that my mother bought in Cambodia. She went there about six months ago and I'm drinking it in a chunk. So I have no idea if Cambodians originally drank their teas in chunks, but I thought I meant it looks Asian. It fits. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love um, that little cup that you have. Um, oolong yeah. tea. That's, that's really beautiful. cute. Really cute. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you a question. So you can take a sip of your coffee because I know you'll be the one doing a lot of talking and you won't get to drink as much as I will. So Yeah, I'd like to touch on breath work for people who've never done breath work. How does it help us? And how how is the session going? Are we going to get our, out of breath and dizzy and all of that questions that people can have? Yeah, so with breath work, oh man, there's just so many different ways to approach it. Ultimately, um, breath work is about this this circular three-part breath <clears throat> i'm sorry Millie. like my my throat <clears throat> it's fine right me there. too a little bit we're in, we're recording this in november there are throat issues <laughs> here and there it's going to happen so, uh we're, we're using what is called like a conscious connected breathing pattern um so this is a circular three-part breath in a particular breathwork journey so Um, you know, we can, there's this range of how we can use breathing to connect with ourselves, connecting with the, the spirit and the medicine of the breath. So um, we can do something as simple as just like engaging with uh, different breathing techniques. And that could be for like one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be anything that's super intense. Mm -hmm. um, and even using those different breathing techniques can be beneficial for us because it's really about regulating our nervous system and there are um, there's a lot of research that is supportive of the practices of utilizing breathing techniques so that is on the spectrum of lighter breathing guidance guidance um, that we can incorporate into our ritual of everyday practice and then on the other end of the spectrum there are breathwork journeys and so with a breathwork journey This is basically using that active three-part circular breath um, for a sustained period of time. And usually a more appropriate journey should be at least 45 minutes. So really just thinking like you're, you're doing the active three-part breath for 45 minutes and more or more. Um, and to, to be able to get into that, that rhythm of it, it's really um, assisting us and allowing us to tap into um our our bodies and and really tap into our nervous system and and helping with making these different types of internal shifts within us so uh even within breathwork journeys there are different styles and techniques of breathing and it depends on um the facilitator that you're working with what they're trained in and also it depends on you what do you have the emotional capacity for? What do you have the somatic availability for? So if I'm, I'm working with someone, then 
Um, I need to have an understanding of like, what is your health history? That's something that we definitely have to take into consideration because there are contraindications mm-hmm. of, of breath work in of itself. And then from there, understanding what your availability and capacity is like, then thinking about like, well, how do we introduce this particular journey and how do we guide someone into that? So um, not necessarily that you're getting out of breath, but I would definitely say that if you um, if, if you can do 15 minutes on an elliptical, 15 minutes on a treadmill, um, a high intensity workout for an hour, you likely could do breath work as well. <laughs> it's funny. This is exactly what I was going to say about the capacity. I feel like it's like when I'm, I'm, I'm training, I, I'm working out at some point, you know, it's, it's too much for me. So I work out with a nap and at some point I need to take a breath, uh, a breath, a break, <laughs> and then, you know, two, three seconds and I go on, I continue. And I feel that with breath work, at least for me, because I'm not like super active, I'm not much into uh, sports or anything. So it's exactly how a session goes for me. Like I'm going to be into it. I'm taking a short breath. I'm letting the other people, you know, do their thing if they're able to do it for nonstop like 30 minutes that's fine but it's just not me and um never got told not to do that or to just keep going to force it you just go with the flow because it's breath work and um could you please explain to us what happened for you or maybe you want to say what happens in general for people when they experience their first breath work sessions Yeah, that's a really great question. So in someone's first breathwork session, um, the the most immediate thing that's going to come to my mind is like, let's talk about the physical. So more than likely, there will be tangling sensations, especially for a first time breather. And I would also say that it's dependent on um, your, your seated position, whether you're laying up or even Um, laying down, if you're standing up, I think like depending on those particular seated positions, um, how soon you'll start to feel those types of sensations can vary. Um, I have experienced that when I'm laying down, that's usually when I feel the most intense uh, types of like physical sensations coming through with breath work. So uh, one thing would be tingling sensations. There could be like heat and and cold there's like a rise or drop in temperature in your body and that can happen simultaneously like you might even feel like uh heat more in the the upper part of your body and then feeling cold on a the lower half of your body uh it could definitely vary per person but the first thing that comes to my mind is like the tingling sensations there's something called tetany which is what people call a quote unquote, lobster claw situation. Um, <laughs> I think it's funny when people say that, but uh, ultimately tetany is a form of like cramping, especially of the hands. You can experience cramping in other parts of your body. Um, and ultimately these these physical sensations are, it's, a, it's an alchemical response between uh, the amount of uh, oxygen you're taking into your body and the carbon dioxide that wants to leave your body. Uh, and there's this alchemical response happening within that. Emotionally, 
it, it just really depends on what you're you're ready for and I think it also depends on like maybe even the music or even in the the, the guidance a highly skilled attuned facilitator I think will probably will likely bring out like the emotions in you I think that like depending on what the journey is and how connected you are with the facilitator uh, likely it's going to be like very emotional so usually it's suppressed emotions that come through and if you are ready open and, and welcomed to feeling those feelings I, I would definitely encourage you to in a breathwork container allow yourself to feel those emotions and that's why we're doing the, the breathwork in the first place and then even mentally I think that people can have very busy minds during during breath work. I certainly do. I, I typically have a busy mind, especially in the beginning of it. Um, and again, I, I'm a believer that like when you have these thoughts that are coming up during like meditation, uh, channeling, breath work, these types of like slow movement practices, I really believe that it's coming up so that we can address it. Like there's something that we need to address here. And if we'd like to, we can definitely sit with that and see what are we being shown here. So yeah, those are definitely the things that will come up during a first time session. Yeah, super interesting. I've got so many questions. But just to go back to the physical part, I've never gotten those lobster claws. But what happens for someone who's getting that? Like, should they stop? Are they doing something wrong? Oh, that's a great question. So if uh, there are any sensations that you're experiencing, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, and it feels overwhelming for you, then let's go back to the physical, like the, the lobster claws, the cramping, these tingling sensations. Um, what you can do is to really extend on your exhale in a circular three-part breath. You can return to your normal breathing pattern and take a pause, take a break, um, and that will help uh, alleviate those those sensations. So definitely extend it, exhale. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking about those who are doing it like a, a virtual session where you may not necessarily be in the same room as your facilitator. And if you have your camera off, um, there could be a, a little bit of a missing out because if your facilitator can't see that you are having like these, this cramping in a lobster claw, they may not cue for you that like, oh, you know, as, as a reminder, if you're feeling these things, like this is how you can address those things. You can start to do an X and an exhale. Um, a facilitator, again, um, as they are attuned, can help add in those cues so that you can address those particular sensations. Yeah. And also you're talking about the circular breath. Um, can you please explain exactly what it is? Yeah. So the circular three-part breath is basically, uh, depending on the facilitator, depending on your capacity, um, you can either breathe through the mouth or inhale through the nose. So basically either in the mouth or through the nose, you're inhaling deep down into the belly. And then we're going to do another inhale deep into the chest here. And then we're going to exhale out of the mouth. So again, uh, it's a three parts. So we're inhaling deep into the belly here. 
and deep into the chest and we're exhaling out of the mouth so that is normally what the circular three-part breath would be yeah and for the people who aren't watching this on spotify or youtube rosie was only inhaling and exhaling through her mouth but you're saying you can also do it just through the nose you can choose between the two Yes, you can definitely inhale through the nose if that is what you have capacity for. So inhaling through the nose, depending on the philosophy of breathwork, um, is more of a, a yin approach. It's a softer approach to um, the three-part breath. So inhaling through the nose into the belly, into the, into the chest, and exhaling through the mouth, you can absolutely do that. If you are available and if you are a more experienced breather, sometimes facilitators will encourage you to breathe through the mouth. And part of the difference of, of doing either one would be that inhaling through the inhaling through the mouth would just be a little bit more of a an, an aggressive approach i would say and then inhaling through the nose would be more of a passive approach so it's a difference between activating like the parasympathetic response um or like the sympathetic response of the nervous system oh okay interesting and to go more into the emotional part when you were saying that you are there you're you're talking pe to people you're giving cues um can you please explain for someone who's never been into a session i mean is there music do you talk a lot or are the people just breathing for i don't know 10 minutes non-stop and you're not talking how is it going yeah so i love music And I definitely believe that music really enhances and shapes the experience of breathwork. So as a fellow Pisces, I am pretty sure you know too, Melly, that like music is a universe. Music is an experience. So I love to curate playlists for this. Um, it's one of my favorite parts about like uh, facilitating and just preparing for a, a session and a journey. Yeah. And your you playlists are good. Music. I mean, I, I did a session with you and the music was just, wow. It fit <laughs> so well with the breathwork session. Really. I loved it. Oh, it's so good to hear. Yeah. Um, I've, I've done breathwork journeys without music and, and with music. And I would say one of the things one of the key differences is if you were to do a breathwork journey without music, I would say that that is a whole nother level of vulnerability compared to with the music. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that there's like this level of silence uh, without music that can be had there, um, but that does feel so much more vulnerable compared to actually having the music. So I definitely prefer uh, with music and in terms of cueing and facilitation and journeying. I like to I like to do a blend of speaking as well as being silent, silent and allowing the person to just have their own experience without having to um, be part of that experience. And I think part of it depends on the music itself. Uh, so sometimes I don't always choose instrumental music. I do like to choose music where there um, are vocalists and there's lyrics and stuff like that, because sometimes like what they're saying in the song, I think could be 
very helpful to the journey itself. So um, I think in that case, I would I would let the the song lyrics uh, be and the singer be like the main star during that portion. Um, so I think each song has its own rhythm of like maybe I'm going to talk here, but maybe not. Uh, and then also just being attuned to who you're re you're breathing with um, the different breathers, whether it's one person or a group, just like recognizing when is the appropriate time to speak and when is it appropriate to just be silent for them. Yeah, and I have to say, you are a good breathwork DJ. <laughs> and um, when you say there is healing, how does that happen for people? Do they see things? Do they remember things of the past? Is there, you know, can someone start laughing or crying? Yeah, so uh, it could be anything and everything in between. So it, it really just depends on the journey itself. It depends on what you're available for, what you're ready for to be shown. Um, it depends on what your, your psychic abilities are, your psychic gifts are, your intuitive abilities are, your clear senses. So for some people, like um, visions are very strong for them. So um, they could just be seeing a lot of things during, during breath work when, they're, when their eyes are closed. Or uh, for some people, it's really about like all the physical sensations in their body and that's how their body like speaks to them. Mm. Um, some people, they just hear words and, and there's like this, this clear audience to them. So I think it really depends also on like what your natural intuitive psychic abilities are. And, and that experience likely will just come through very strongly in a breathwork experience. Yeah. And also, I noticed that when you organize in-person sessions, like beauty is everywhere. You work with flowers, flower essences. I think I read on your website, you call it botanical sessions or something like that. Yeah, so <clears throat> botanical healing ceremonies, botanical uh, breathwork ceremonies, I call it quite a few things, but ultimately yeah, botanical. So I I love in-person sessions and that's all I want to do. Uh, it is an experience. It is a container. Um, I'm as a facilitator here to, to craft a container for you. You can have any experience within that container. I just know it's going to be an experience. But um, yeah, in, in these containers that I... I have so much joy in crafting. Um, it is all about the beauty and the sensuality for me. So we're using a lot of flowers, primarily roses, um, and that's very intentional. We're using different herbs. We're using candles and incenses. Uh, we're using crystals and flower essences. So the way in which flower essences come into play for these in-person ceremonies is you can use flower essences in quite a few different ways. One of them is likely um, most people will tell you, like most practitioners will tell you, like you can just ingest it. Um, the other way that you can use it is you can use flower essences topically. So uh, it really depends on the comfort level of the person I'm working with if they want to just ingest it. 
Um, I do both, uh, whether they want to ingest it or not, I'm still going to be using it topically. So this is part of like the energy healing aspect for me. So I do work with my hands a lot. Um, and so to be able to apply topically to my hands and use that as part of sending energy uh, towards somebody on different parts of the body, that's how I typically incorporate flower essences. Yeah, and I'd like to talk about that energy healing aspect. But first, I want to mention, I mean, your name is Rosie, and you work a lot with the rose. And I'm also curious, I'm guessing you have a Cambodian name as well. Does your Cambodian name is also a flower or something around that? Actually, no. Oh. <laughs> so I'm the only child in my family. I have, I have six other siblings. Um, and I'm the only child with an Americanized name. I don't know how that happened, but um, yeah, I was named after a friend of my father's. And um, if we were to translate my name in Khmer, my, my language Khmer, um, it, is, it would be Golap, which means rose essentially. So. Uh, if we were to translate my name, that would—that's what it would be. But uh, I was not named a Cambodian name, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, oh well. I was asking because for my husband, um, his Laotian name means rug because he was born is in a refugee camp, um, and so there was a doctor there, but no hospital, and it was very much. You know, there there wasn't anything. It's like my mother-in-law gave birth on a table because that was all that there was in the doctor's hut. So um, she was like, oh, he's strong like the rock. So his Laotian name is Lipaoye or Lipaoje, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And when they moved to France, he was three months old and they needed to give him a, a French name. So they decided it was Pierre which means rock as well. So I thought maybe there was something there, but um, it's fascinating. Brittany and I did a, mentioned it in a podcast. Uh, we talked about names, but I don't think it was the name of our podcast, but we talked about how our names, first name and last names really define who we are. And sometimes we know it from the start and sometimes we know it a bit later in life. But yeah, I find it so beautiful that you are named Rosie and you work with flowers a lot thank you I definitely think that it was meant to be for for my name to be like this I can like go on about like naming especially like within my family there's a significance with the middle names of me and my younger siblings um and then even my last name I am the first of the family line to hold my last name Uh, so I know my last name is a little bit unique. You don't usually hear people with my last name. Um, so yeah, it's like a whole thing. And to even think about like the, the symbolism behind that, to think about like, so my mother wanted to name me Diana. And there's this whole story about that. Like she had a dream about an angel giving her a diamond and stuff like that. So it's, it's so fascinating. And Diana is still related to nature and animals and hunting. So it would still have fit, but I like Rosie. I mean, my daughter Same. is named Rosalie, so I do <laughs> like the name. 
Yeah. So to go back to the energy healing aspect, that fascinates me. How do you heal with your hands? And you also say you're using the flower essences through all of that. How does that work? Yeah, so um, I've I've taken some esoteric healing courses, but most of this, I have to give credit to my esoteric healing teacher, Jen Wolfis, for this. Um, she is the person who um, it, it in embodied in this lifetime. Uh, she is my teacher who has like taught me how to like really listen to my body, um, how to sense energy with my body. Um, and really just to be in tuned with that. So give so much credit to, to Jen for that. And from those courses, uh, through the practice of like, just practicing on, on a daily basis, asking my guides to come through, asking my ancestors to come through, asking my lineage of healers to come through, all the healing masters, asking them to come through. Um, I think like with the knowledge I learned from Jen and working uh, individually like with my spirit family, um, I have just like become very attuned to understanding um, how to like read energy on a person like from a physical standpoint. And so uh, it's really like, and I've also like done some studies with like Reiki healing and just like other forms of energy healing. Um, I'm trying to think of the other one that I also studied and I can't think of it off the top of my head, but like ultimately like I just, there was this period of time where I just like kept studying and studying and studying, trying to understand energy healing and uh, doing like all this practice and coming to this understanding of that, how do I say this? I am pretty sure that so so when I practice energy healing and when I'm I'm you know in tune and, and channeling with my um, my lineage of healers, uh, it feels somewhat like trans mediumship, uh, without calling it that because I I can't necessarily call it that, um, but I, I do believe that it's not necessarily me who is in control of my body. Um, so I, I think that like I am used as a vessel. So whenever I am in practice of uh, really sensing energy um, with somebody else, I do believe that there is a spirit or a guidance that is coming through me <laughs> as a vessel. Um, and I can't really explain what that feels like. It's like this fuzzy feeling all over my body. And I'm not moving. I'm not like trying to move my body i am being led to do those things so that i think that's how i would (laughs) describe it yeah and i'm i'm really curious to know i like to hear about the first times when is the first time that you actually did energy healing but it worked because i know when we're learning a new modality we're doing all the things but it doesn't necessarily click right away so when was your first time when you went like wow it's working something's happening yeah that's a great question because the first few times that I did it I think that like I was forcing it a little bit and I remember that I had um a second mediumship reading and during that reading my, my guides pretty much said that I am overwatering the flower 
in terms of like, you know, being in flow, trusting and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, okay, <laughs> that was a little harsh, but um, I'll like try to understand that. Um, and really it was just like, that I was trying to force it. And so I feel like actually after that second mediumship reading, when they told me that, that's when I stopped trying to force it. I just said, like, I just sat down and asked, come through, like use, use me as a vessel, show me what I know, um, like show me what my soul knows and I will listen and learn. And I think that's basically what had happened. And so that was like July, uh, I don't know, like a couple years ago, a year ago when that happened. Um, and now I like understand what they were talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same for me when I was starting to channel and I was forcing it too much. And as soon as I let everything go, poof, it clicked. The connection was there and it was easy. Yeah. So yeah, it's really about letting go. When you say that you're working with uh, your lineage, and I think you mentioned guides or soul family, how do they manifest for you? Do you just know or you see them, you feel them? Yeah, you know, okay, so I feel like that has evolved over time. Um, it has initially it has really just manifested physically um like i mentioned it's like it feels like this fuzzy feeling around me like you know how um when people try to convey like the the visualization of like an aura mm -hmm. um and it's like that fuzzy colory thing around the body like this different um body around us um i feel like it's that but it feels fuzzy Um, and it's kind of like a staticky kind of feeling to me. And I feel like a, a bunch of other things too, but that is like the first thing that comes to me. And that was initially how they've manifested for me. And actually just recently, I feel like within the last couple of months, um, they are coming through very strong from like a, very, a, a visual standpoint. I've always had visions, but like now I'm seeing the vision and now I feel like they are speaking to me a lot more clearly now. Um, so that has, has been new. And I, I believe that it's just part of my growth and my healing because eventually I would like to get into, to mediumship. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> and I know you said that you like to work in person, but, um, for those of us who are in, who are not in Colorado, uh, how can we work with you? Yeah, so I definitely do virtual uh, virtual journeys, and they could be like one on one and groups as well. So I do do a lot of like virtual online stuff. I just want to do ultimately. I just want to do more and more of everything. Nice. Um, so whether it is virtual or like in person, I would be more than happy to like work with people. And so uh, yeah, it, it would basically be over a Zoom and. Um, my, my journeys are usually an hour and a half or longer. So it is a little bit of a commitment, but that is, uh, partially my choice of being a more conscious facilitator uh, with the breathwork journeys. And then I do have an offering where it's 60 minutes, uh, and that is more of, uh, teaching somebody like different breathing techniques, 
helping somebody prepare for a breathwork journey if they've never been introduced to it, um, if they're like not sure if this is how they want to move forward. Because again, like breathwork journeys can be very intense. And sometimes um, you don't know if you're like going to be vulnerable enough for it. So the 60 minute version is really for those who want the introduction um, and, and want to be prepared for it before they commit to like a really big thing as well. Yeah. And also for the 90 minutes one, I'm guessing that you have an introduction with the person you're asking questions and also a conclusion. So it's not like 90 minutes nonstop. Here we go. Yes, exactly. So uh, the the breathwork journeys I facilitate are at least 45 minutes, 45 to 60 minutes usually. And then um, within that 90 minute container, there is an introduction. Um, there is just speaking about like where you're at right now and and how the, the journey can help with you. And then there's also like the unwinding. There is the integration aspect of it as well at the end of the the journey. Yeah. And I know that you personally, you've been through trauma and I'm guessing that you, you must have a lot of people who have gone through those kind of things who are coming to you because I feel like um, people feel drawn to us from what we've experienced. So how does it work if someone can someone come to you and say, look, I've gone through this or that trauma and I would like to heal gently? How do you go about that? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I think that like first, um, no one is ever required to share their like very specific experiences with me. Um, it's it's up to you if you want to talk about those things. I am always available and open to like hearing those things, but um, I don't require somebody to give me the details of their experiences because that could sometimes re-traumatize a person. Mm -hmm. um, and I I think that like if somebody wants a more gentle approach or maybe like the idea of like an intensive breathwork journey sounds too much for them, too overwhelming for them. Uh, it's always good to know. Um, and that's something that I always ask, like, what do you think that you are prepared for? Like something more intense or are we looking at more of a gentle approach? And from there, I can definitely make recommendations. It doesn't necessarily, you know, in the space of, of healing, um, it's not about like, oh, you need to work with me for you to heal. It's more about like, how can I help you heal? And it doesn't matter if you're working with me or not. Our jobs as healers is to help point somebody in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And so I think that like having an open conversation with someone um, and understanding what their needs are, that can help me tailor the experience and that can help me point them in the right direction if I'm not the fit for them. Um, and I would say from having a more gentle approach, one thing I found is definitely flower essences. I can always make recommendations to flower essences and that like you kind of just do on your own time. It's you're really just ingesting the flower essences at your own time um, and you're you're working with the flower essences um, individually. And then I think that like in terms of what else somebody can do that could be a more gentle approach. I would say that um, 
just recognizing that like having a conversation with someone can be so helpful and especially speaking to someone who can hold space for you not everybody is qualified to hold space for you and i don't mean that from like working with a spiritual service professional i also mean like your friends and your family not everyone in your support system is qualified to hold the space for you that you need to help you heal. Um, and I think that, that keeping that in mind will help, hopefully help somebody understand that like, yeah, I can share my experiences and tell my story to anybody in this world, but is that person qualified and equipped to help me move through that? Um, and I think that that is an important thing to just keep in mind in terms of like, where do I start? Um, and what am I ready for? Yeah, exactly. We need to quote unquote shop our healers and just see, you know, do I feel aligned with this person? Yeah. You know, does it resonate for me? It's super important. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I like that you talked about auras um, before, because since the beginning of this interview, I'm just looking at you and you're aura is crazy crazy shiny <laughs> you're on fire is there a color um it's white oh very interesting yeah okay. yeah yeah I'm like oh she's an angel <laughs> well Rosie is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners I would just say Uh, one thing I would like to share is just to remind people that um, there's no right or wrong way for you to do what you need to do in this lifetime. Um, the only timeline that matters is yours. Um, and your timeline is, is what you're ready for. And so if you're not ready to like do that thing that you know you need to do, but you're just not ready for it, that's okay too. Um, don't try to compare your timeline to other people. Don't try to compare your timeline to things like astrology. And I, I know I, I use astrology all the time and I have like my favorite astrologers that I love. And at the same time, like it, it just because something is happening collectively, astrologically, and you don't feel aligned with that doesn't mean that you're too slow or you're, you're not doing it right or you're doing it wrong. It just means that like um, you're at where you're supposed to be at. And that is one thing that I always just try to remind people that like you're not doing it wrong. You're just on your own timeline. Thank you, Rosie, for coming on the Tea with Intuitives podcast. To get in touch with Rosie, you can check out the show notes for all the links. And now to some news from Melliland. I am offering once again my Focus 2024 tarot reading. And that is a tarot reading where we look at what might be coming up for you in 2024 in terms of theme, lesson, relationships, work, etc. And that's a pretty popular offering. And I am pre-recording this podcast. So honestly, At the time you are hearing this, I cannot guarantee there are still spots left. So if you are interested, go and check that out quickly. I will leave the link in the show notes. And if you don't want to miss any of my special offerings that have limited spots and or are for a limited time, 
the best way is to subscribe to my newsletter where you actually get dibs before I talk about my readings or classes on social media and you also get the biggest promos there. And by the way, some offerings I only offer through my newsletter, so it's really worth it to subscribe. Plus, you get a free collective card reading every 15th of the month. Okay, so this is it for me today. Thank you for listening to the Tea with Intuitives podcast. If you have a question, you can send it at teawithintuitives at gmail.com or via Instagram or YouTube. And I know I'm saying this every time, but it really does make a difference. Your rating, reviews help the podcast grow and be seen by more fellow old souls. And that helps us build a wonderful community. If you are on Spotify, you can participate in our polls and share your stories there. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please do give us a review and share it with us so we can give you a shout out, especially if you are not Canadian, because I can only see Canadian reviews. And if you're on YouTube, comment and give us a thumbs up. Okay, thanks again, everyone. Have a beautiful week. Bye.